Continuing on with our discussion about bidding wars, this is part two. And I, I know that in today's world, using the terms like going to battle and it's a war out there can sometimes seem really insensitive for the real atrocities that are happening around the globe. And uh, I myself, as a very privileged white dude living in my bubble of not only middle-class America and my upbringing here, but a Southern California white dude living a middle-class life, I am truly empathetic to those who are out there and dealing with real-world problems. I'm beyond grateful for how lucky I am. But if you're listening to this, you know, the universe has dropped you into place with, you know, Fortunately, some first world problems, and you're hearing the term bidding wars used a lot. And you want to know how to win and how to set yourself up financially. Uh, and I know some people are calling it a war. So for today, we're going to get back into this. Let's tackle this gigantic struggle of how to win a multiple offer situation when you're a lowly first time home buyer. No, it's not a global crisis, but it sure can feel like it if you're trying to get this done for yourself. Good news. It can be done. Let's talk about it. What is the happy haps? And I say happy because we're talking about bidding wars, right, homies? I know, it's going to be tough. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one of the bidding wars, uh, do that right now. What are you doing? Go back one episode. Okay, go now. Okay, welcome back. How was that? That was about 30 minutes with me over on another episode. We're going to get right into it. Let's continue on. In part one, we covered first, don't give up. Uh, next, believe. Then we covered compromise. Uh, we also talked about new and untrained agents that will sink you. And we talked about the fact that unicorn teams may offer you the speed that you need in this market. They work at the pace of what's happening right now. Today in part two, we're going to cover one of my rule of thumbs when it comes to buying a home in a very competitive situation like this. We're going to talk about making sure that you and your realtor know the sales that have happened in the area that you're looking. We're going to talk about list price versus sale price versus sold price. And then we're going to get into the juicy stuff, the offer. What do you do to make your offer look good? There are several topics here. Lowballing is for losers. Presenting the offer. Um, show that you're three and a half percent Low down payment is just as golden as a 20% down payment offer. One of my tips and tricks, never offer on a round number. Get to that a little bit later. We're talking about the EMD, the earnest money deposit, time periods, loan tricks, waiving the appraisal, guarantees from your lender with a reduced contingency, offering more profit elsewhere in your offer besides just price. We're going to talk about covering closing costs. We're going to discuss that real estate is two things, time and money. We're going to talk about counter offers, escalation clauses, understanding the process, and finally, how do new builds fit into this whole bidding war madness? All right, gang, let's get right to it. We're going to dive right in. First, the rule of thumb, real quick for you. You should spend 5, 10, 20 more times researching, working on your support team and your financial plan then you do daydreaming looking at homes on Zillow. <laughs> I know it's way more fun, but look, the knowledge is going to prepare you for the fast-paced decision-making that's coming. And trust me, it's crazy fast. 
And it's going to freak you out, but it's crucial when we're talking about trying to buy a home in this competitive market in the bidding wars. Get ready, gang. I'm telling you, when you finally set out to go out there and look at some homes, it's going to blow you away how quickly they're going to want you to make a decision for you to even have an opportunity to buy those homes. It's like Amazon Prime Day and Black Friday, except IRL. Okay, the next tip. Do you and your realtor know about the sales that have happened in the areas that you're looking. It's real important that before you shoot over that Zillow listing to your unicorn realtor, you know, the one that's 25,000 over your maximum loan amount, you actually need to know just by looking at the pictures, what I call the Goldilocks pricing principle. Yep, you heard me, the Goldilocks pricing principle. It goes like this. Is this home too high because the seller is on crack and wants to get 100000 more than the last sale in the neighborhood just because they have a cool paint job? Or is it too low because they're trying to get a redonkulous amount of offers coming in in their bidding war expecting to sell for way more than the list price that they're showing? Or Goldilocks style, is it just right? which unfortunately in this market means it's probably going to be bid up another 2 to 5%. I know it sounds silly for me to talk about fairy tales here when you're trying to make the biggest financial decision of your life, but you got to know. And you can only Goldilocks through pre-game research. You and your unicorn realtor need to know how to navigate this bananas market, which leads us to our next point. List price versus sales price versus sold price. Repeat this to yourself right now. List prices are garbage. Come on. Where are you? On the treadmill? On your way to work? Sitting on a train next to a whole bunch of other people? Say it. Say it in front of all of them out loud right now. List prices are garbage. I know this goes against your instincts. I understand that. Everything you've ever been taught right now, maybe your biggest purchase in your life was probably a car. And your entire life, people have told you, haggle, haggle, haggle. You assume that a list price on a home is the same thing. You know, just like a car, it's a starting point. Nope. That's it, gang. I don't have anything more to say. Just nope. Not in 2023. (laughs) And of course, like everything I say this with love, if anyone tells you differently, go out there. I don't know. Take a look at the content they've been giving 24-7 to first-time homebuyers like you. I bet they don't have a bunch of stuff like I do. (laughs) I'd rather disappoint you now so that you can make the right decision moving forward. And most importantly, so you can be prepared. You will most likely be asking how much over the list price should I be asking? Not how you thought is the right way to buy a car or the other big things you bought in your life, trying to figure out how much under you can get the list price. I know that's what you were dreaming of your whole life, but that's not the way it works right now. So what you're going to do is you're going to learn to look at the list prices, but then you're going to learn to look at the sales prices that already happened. Those are called the sold prices. You can learn that by asking your unicorn to send you the last three months of all the sold homes in the price point in the neighborhood that you're looking. Not the listings and the prices that people have up right now. You want to take a look at the sold homes and then you want to look at how long were these homes on the market? Now, if they were on the market for just two or three days and they sold over the list price, then depending on where the new homes come out and where they're priced, it's probably going to fall into that same pattern. 
To really understand what's happening in your area, only an active professional full-time realtor or unicorn team will have the right information for you. Either they're going to find that out because they're actually out there every single weekend, every single day working with multiple other buyers, or they're going to get that information by interacting with their colleagues, regularly talking and sharing information with other realtors in the area. Which is a perfect segue for the bonus tip. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, non-binaries, transitioning, trans, and anyone who identifies as anything, everybody out there, listen up for the bonus clip. Sometimes the unicorn realtor or the unicorn team that you work with, they end up being the main reason you get your offer looked at and hopefully accepted over dozens of other offers, even offers that are higher than yours. And do you want to know why? Sometimes the listing agents, the people who are looking at the offers coming in, sometimes they're lame or they're lazy or they're clueless as my little sister, Laura. Ooh, sick burn, sibling ragging on my little sister. Just kidding, Laura. I love you. You're not clueless. Love you, sis. But it's very true. A lot of times the listing agent is looking for the easiest deal along with the one that the seller thinks is going to be a good price for them. And a lot of times if the sellers have talked to their agents, they're looking for the easiest one too. And that means a professional agent or a team that has a reputation, a good reputation, that's going to let the lazy person on the other end know, ooh, okay, cool. I got 10, 20 offers right here. I can do my usual sucky ass job on this one. And it's still going to close because the buyer's agent and their reputation is really good. And sometimes, gang, this really happens. I mean, picture this, okay? It's a Sunday night. Now imagine I'm I'm selling a house and I've got one of my clients' homes up for sale on Saturday. I priced it just under market to get the maximum amount of buyers bidding it up over the list price. Yes, gang, that's a thing. Do it all the time. And I had three hours of open house on Saturday, three hours of open house on Sunday. That was it. Six hours on the market. I've got 18 offers. Now, it's Sunday night. As I go through the offers, I need to narrow it down to the top five that we're going to put counter offers out to. Now, let's say the top five are all the same on paper, but one of them is submitted by, let's say, a unicorn or a unicorn team that I know and I've personally worked with in the past. They are professional, efficient, reliable, and they followed through. So as I present to my seller, all things being equal, I would highly, highly recommend the one with the people that I know that that one is going to be something I'm going to recommend a little higher than the others. If we've got five offers and they're all within $10,000 of each other, all right, well, then I'm going to turn to the seller and say, hey, gang, we've got five of them. They're all doing great. In fact, they're all $50,000 over what we thought you were going to get for this home when we talked about it back in January. So my recommendation is that Even though this offer right here is $10,000 less than our highest offer, I know it's going to close because I know that agent and that agent's team, they're awesome. See, that's the way it works. And for that reason, the people and the reputations of the people that you work with really, really matter. And over the years, when I've been on the buyer's side, many, 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 many times, I've helped my buyers get homes because of 
the reputation that I have bringing in the offer. And in fact, one of my favorite stories about this was years ago when I had a zero down VA buyer and we were $10,000 less than the best offer out there and we still got our home accepted. I've also seen it up to 10, 15, even 25,000 lower than another offer. But because our offer came in well-constructed and it had the reputation behind it, our offer got accepted. Okay, that's the end of the bonus tip. Let's get back to the list. Okay, this one's going to sound super harsh. Lowballing is for losers. See, now that's what I want to say, but that assumes that, of course, that you've been listening and that you understand everything about this entire process and the competitive nature of how things are going and that you believe in the numbers. So I could say to you, hey, look, there's a lot going on right here. Why are you going to waste your time lowballing? You believe in the numbers. It's just going to slow you down until you get the house that you want. So if you're not a homie and you're new to the podcast, what I will say to you, because I am empathetic and this has got to be the wackiest housing market ever. Thanks to, say it with me now, homies. Why is this happening? Low inventory. So to you folks, I'll say it like this. I personally, in my professional opinion, don't recommend that you offer lower than your top number on a home if you really want that home. Because by leaving yourself that room, you might not even get a counteroffer and you won't get in at bat. So sometimes if it's really close to your top number, just offer that top number as best you can and see what happens. If things are bonkers crazy in your area, like we're finding out from everybody all over the country, you need to go bonsai big and don't hold anything back. You are protected by your appraisal. So technically, you really can't overpay when you write an offer. That's the way appraisals work. You make an offer if it gets accepted and then you go under contract, then you have to get an appraisal if you have a loan on the property. So if you're getting a loan, which most of you guys are, an independent third party has to go and do an appraisal for you and your loan. It happens during your due diligence or inspection or sometimes called the contingency period. Now, during that period, if you bail on a deal because you find out it doesn't appraise, you should get your deposit back if you decide not to move forward. So when you're writing that offer, you can't overpay as long as you retain your appraisal contingency. So I tell my buyers, look, if there's a lot of competition, why are we even starting out low? We might not even get a chance to mix it up with the other top offers. We might not even get countered. That's the real deal. I've had many buyers stand firm with me, even though I try to explain to them this is the way it's going. And we'll go out and they'll offer lower than the market dictates, even though there are multiple offers coming in. And of course, as it turns out, we don't even make the top three or the top five. And so we don't get a counter offer and don't even have a chance. Now, sometimes they might change their mind immediately. And sometimes they do this for three or four weekends. And what usually happens is after getting shut out so many times, they finally start offering at what the current market is telling us to offer. And then eventually they get a home. I feel very understanding that a lot of buyers think they need to go through this process themselves. And they think that there's still a chance they're going to get that crazy lowball deal. But I can't help but thinking in the back of my mind, who knows if one of those first few homes would have actually been a better deal for them or a better fit in the long term. 
So what I recommend to you is you might as well start with that knowledge and be a player right from the first offer. Next tip we're going to be talking about presenting the offer. The presentation of your offer needs to be super clean and professional. That agent's sitting there looking at 20 offers on Sunday night. Your offer better be easy to read and presented like your buyer's agent knows how to make life easy for the listing agent. And here's the weird part. It's Sunday night. No one wants to be working, right? Now, your offer is going to get judged on everything. I mean everything. Everything from the email address. If it says AOL or Prodigy, I get a little concerned. (laughs) All the content within it, the presentation of how it's set up, and even the email signature on the offer. Only a seasoned pro or a unicorn team member who works with the pros is going to have the template that they can send in the email that looks easy on the eyes to the listing agent. And that will make your offer stand out when they're sitting there looking at a screen full of offers that have been emailed to them. And just so you know, while the listing agent is judging, if they even see a whiff of something unprofessional, they have the ability to look up the buyer's agent and the buyer's agent's team on the MLS. There will Other realtor information is all kept there for us to take a look at. And yeah, if I've got an unprofessional offer that comes in and I don't really know a lot about them, I'll look them up and then I will share that with my sellers. And the listing agents that you put offers out to, they're going to do the same thing. Next tip in regards to, again, part of this presentation, showing that your 3% down or your 3.5% down is just as golden as a 20% down payment offer. Yeah, it's true. Money is money. And a lot of buyers think, well, a loan is a loan. It feels like it should be like that, but not unless it's presented correctly to the listing agent. In, you know, buying a home in this competitive market, you got to get yourself a badass realtor and a lender working together. And they're going to present your offer with all that juice, with just as much validity as a 20% or even a 50% down offer. There's going to be bigger down payments that are going to be out there. If you are a VA or a USDA loan at 0%, your agent should have the ability to show that you have just as much validity to close as someone with a 50% down loan. Same thing with a 3% down or a 3.5% FHA loan. Have you and your team and your lender do a full approval before you even think about going out there and writing offers. You need to be able to show them it's gold by showing them all the work that you've done to get pre-approved. Remember, I told you earlier, things are going to move fast. So you need to do this way before you go out and look at homes, not after you go out and look at open houses one weekend. Now, my next tip is a sneaky little one. Never offer a round number. I don't technically know if it's a round number, but, you know, like don't offer like at 400 or at 425. Here, let me explain to you. If it's close and the top three offers, let's say they're all offering $400,000 on a $375,000 listing, all right? And 400, you guys figured out that's kind of your max where you're comfortable. Okay, cool. Don't offer 400 with incredible terms and things like that. Offer 403. I know it sounds stupid. (laughs) It ain't much, but 
if you and your agent have figured out that there are probably going to be other homes that go up to 400, it shows the seller and the seller's listing agent that you get how tight this is. You understand the competition and you're willing to give them just a little extra for their home. Yeah, go ahead. Be extra. Even if the boomer seller's agent and the seller don't have any clue what extra means today. All right, our next one is the earnest money deposit. Now, if you don't know what that is yet, well, then you have the cart like two miles in front of your horse. <laughs> so go back into the terms and definitions and listen to those episodes and learn about the earnest money deposit before you start trying to learn, what do I do in a bidding war? Uh, I know things are tough to figure out what order to go in, but that's the best way to do it. And the reason I'm telling you that is because that way you're not going to freak out at the next thing I'm going to say. If you have a unicorn representative, your deposit's going to be safe and you're going to be covered if you decide to back out of the deal. So what you need to do is you need to max out your earnest money deposit. In California, it's 3%. Whatever the maximum you can do and retain all of that should you decide to pull out, that's what you want to do. This is huge because it shows the seller and the listing agent one, you're a serious buyer. And it shows them, two, you understand the contract. And you don't flinch at how much you need to put down as your earnest money because you and your team know how the due diligence and the inspection period and contingency period works and you ain't scared. Now, I can explain to you for 10 minutes how the contract protects the buyer's earnest money deposit as long as you, the buyer, and the realtor meet all the contracted timelines and any agent worth anything realizes that they should be able to protect you and your money during that due diligence contingency and inspection period. So feel confident with it and show the seller that you mean business. Next up, we're getting into the nitty-gritty now, the time periods. All contracts for purchasing a home have timelines and calendars and clocks. And how quickly and efficiently you and your unicorn buyer agent can navigate those timelines tells the listing agent a lot about you, the buyer, and the person that you have representing you in this deal. Most people think writing an offer is all about one thing, price. Sure, I mean, maybe in an environment where there's only one offer and they've been waiting three months to get somebody to write an offer, then price becomes the main subject. But if we just had the home in the market for six hours and we've got 10 or 20 offers, price and terms are the two things that mesh together. So if you've got a high price but crappy terms, bottom of the pile. So you've got great terms but a low price, still bottom of the pile. When the listing agent gets an offer, they're trying to boost both the price and the terms on every single offer to get that combined greatest deal for their seller. And the timelines or the time periods that you put in your offer, they say a lot about both you, the buyer, and the agent representing you. Thus, upping your terms part of your score of the price and terms. Someday you're going to be a seller. But for now, you have to just rely on what we tell you how sellers feel. So listen to this one. All a seller wants is to get an offer, get it accepted, and then have the buyer rip through the inspection and appraisal period as fast as they can. Now, why is that? Because the sooner the buyer does that, the sooner that they can do what we call a full contingency removal. Now, what does that mean for the seller? Why are they waiting for that? 
Well, if the buyer bails after a full contingency removal, if they have to cancel the deal, then the seller is entitled to that EMD, the earnest money deposit. That's the turning point. The day that you release that deposit and say, I'm all in, no turning back. So if you're offering like in that early example, $403,000 on a 30-day contract period, even if you've got a 3% down payment, if it comes in with a well-represented and presented offer, and you say, tell you what, we can do the inspection and appraisal period 10 days, and then we'll give you a full contingency removal. Well, now the seller knows they only have to have 10 days of pins and needles waiting to see if you're legit and if you're going to stay in the deal. Because the way it works is, just because they get an offer accepted doesn't mean that buyers can't bail. So if there's another offer that comes in and they're trying to decide between yours, which only has a 10-day timeline, and theirs is, let's say, $400,000 because you did 403 because you're super cool. But maybe they've got 20% down. But they want a full 20 days to inspect the home. Same 30-day closing, but that means... The seller has an extra week and a half, 10 more days of butt puckering, just trying to figure out and know for sure if the buyer's all in. So by giving shorter timelines, you show that you are aware and you want them to be comfortable as quickly as possible. You also show that your team is proficient and efficient, both the realtor and the lender. And if they are, then that can dictate how aggressive you can be on shortening those timelines. And maybe even though you only offer 3% down, your offer is going to get accepted. And actually, that's a real important part of these whole bidding war episodes. It's not just picking one thing off the bidding war tips and tricks and hacks menu to try to juice up your offer. You got to go all in, family style, one of each, baby. Bring me everything. Take everything off the menu throw it into your offer. The more that you pack in, the less that your lower down payment, maybe even lower price are going to matter. Remember, they're looking at price and terms. If your terms are so awesome and your price is close, hopefully you'll get in the mix and be one of those offers that gets countered when they only counter offer three out of 10 or three out of 20. And then hopefully as you continue to sweeten the deal, hopefully your offer gets accepted. Okay, so now we're getting into the real deep stuff, the super hacks. We're talking about the loan tricks, the appraisals, the closing cost credits, and things like an escalation clause. What the hell is that? Damn. You know what? That's a lot of stuff. All right, that's it. Three-parter. <laughs> Who's pissed at me? Too bad for you. Uh, okay, gang, do me a favor. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, for goodness sake, please do so. It's all free. And you're going to get a notification when part three comes out, which should be a couple days. Or if you're listening to this in the future, after April 2023, I bet there's a new episode coming out on real estate current market events, stuff that you're going to need to know about buying a home in 2026 because President Kim Kardashian has changed all the laws on how to buy a home. And if you're a longtime homie, please do me a favor, rate and review the podcast. We got a million downloads and only like 600 reviews. What's going on, gang? Look for more tips on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, LinkedIn. Hell, I'm even on Pinterest, gang. <laughs> and if you've got questions, go to howtobuyahome.com. There's more information there, uh, or you can ask a question directly to me from the website, howtobuyahome.com. Ask away and maybe sometime 
in the future, you're going to get your question answered and then you're going to buy a home and then you can be a guest on the podcast sharing your story of how you use these tips to win your bidding war. Stay tuned for part three coming soon. You can do this.